Today, on Recruiting Hell, nonprofit organizations are an important part of our society. But is it the right next career move for you in your job hunt? Today's guest, Jen Clearwater, explains why. The reason I say it might not be what you expect it to be is because I think you really need to understand, and this goes to you know, what you and I talked about yesterday about like who's the right person for nonprofits. Um, you, really have to, you really have to take a moment to ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Welcome to episode 17 of Recruiting Hell. It's been a busy few months for the show and milestones keep passing us by at light speed, thanks to you, the listener. First, let's talk for a moment about why you're here and why you're listening. If you're listening to this show, you're here for one of two reasons, getting a new or a better job. Today's market is tough. And you're in the awful situation I call recruiting hell, where good jobs are few and far between, and scams, underpayment, and ridiculous requirements for entry-level jobs abound. This show is about teaching you to avoid the pitfalls of the modern job hunt, and help build you as a person to bring your interview and job hunting game to the next level. This show is here to motivate you to keep going in your search so that you can get out of recruiting hell. So whether you're on your 100th application, 50th rejection email, or second recruiter ghosting you this week, you are welcome at this table to learn new skills to help you win your job hunt. Next, a quick reminder, we have launched RecruitingHell.com, Recruiting-Hell.com, where you can not only go to find the complete show archive, but also additional content for your job hunt, show notes, links to great places and people that make this show possible, and the ability to support this show and more. I wanted to launch a store because I really like like t-shirts too, but, uh, those are kind of the last thing on the list right now. Finally, before we kick into our main content today here, I did receive word uh, a few days before I actually recorded this that we have had a listener make it out of Recruiting Hell. A massive congratulations uh, goes out to Thomas in Wisconsin for accepting a new position and creating one of the greatest testimonials I could ever ask for. Buddy, you made this whole endeavor worth it. Now, to bring you even more knowledge to get your job hunt powered up, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show Jen Clearwater, fundraiser extraordinaire and maker of the best bottled sangria in the known universe. Jen, welcome to the show, and how are you? Well, I am flattered, and thank you so much for having me. Um, This podcast that you've created is um, really just a light and a gift to the world during some dark days, so I'm very honored to be asked to be here with you today, and thank you for doing this, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I, I sometimes titled you the best connected woman in Milwaukee because of your, your work with nonprofits. And that's what today's episode is about. And uh, while you do make the best sangria in the world, Lovino is a fabulous product. You're, you're not yeah. here to sell wine. And your background is, is a bit different than being a small business owner and probably a little bit different than what some of our listeners are used to. Uh, because in the past, you've worked with some of the biggest nonprofit organizations in the city of Milwaukee. So, Let's turn it over to you for a moment. And why don't you give us a bit of history about yourself and kind of tell us about that journey, Jen? Yeah, thank you. So I never intended, nor did I realize that fundraising and nonprofit work could actually be a career, you know, when I was a kid growing up and, 
you know, the, <laughs> the 80s and 90s when I was going to school, um, we were told that, you know, you could be a doctor or a secretary or a teacher, you know, and, and, it, and, and my dad actually wanted me to go to business school and law school and just be a corporate attorney and that, and, um, you know, take accounting classes. And that all sounded woefully boring to me. So I, I had that madman mentality and I wanted to go into marketing and public relations and that's how I started. So I went to school to be in marketing and PR, landed my first gig with a small um, up and coming, now very well-known marketing firm in Milwaukee, but they were only five years old at the time. So I got my first job with them and they had a ton of nonprofit clients and Polish. Yeah. So I just, you know, I, I slugged, I was slugging away as a, as a newbie in a nonprofit or a marketing firm. And one, they had a ton of festival clients and Polish Fest, if you're familiar with Milwaukee and the big ethnic festival scene in the ethnic community around us, we have a, we have an ethnic festival for, you know, for everything that we have around us. Polish Fest is one of them, largest Polish festival in the United States, internationally marketed. And they tapped me on the shoulder when I was 25 years old and said, would you come and we're, we want to hire a first full-time director, would you be willing to come and work for us? And I said, well, wait a minute, guys, like, (laughs) I, I love you. I, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be part of your organization, but I'm 25 and I have no fundraising experience. I know that's a big part of, you know, working in nonprofits. And they said, oh, you'll figure that out. (laughs) The most important thing is that, you know, us and you'll figure that out. And I did, to be fair, I did encourage them and they did interview people for the, for the job. And they did end up choosing me because I knew the most about them. So I, I've taken that as lesson number one that I will share with anybody. If you really want to work somewhere, know them like they're your sister. Like just go and, and today it's really easy to get people, you know, with the internet and, you know, even with companies have profiles on social media where they're like almost like a person promoting themselves you know, Rob, as you know, because that's part of your background too. So Correct, we, yes. right. So we, so we have no excuse these days to get to know organizations, but I had the inside baseball knowledge about them because I'd been marketing them for two and a half years. And so they said, yes, come and do that. So anyway, um, I kind of was trying to just get my finger on the pulse of everything. And the beat at the time was that um, it felt like people wanted to come home. They wanted to come close to their communities. They wanted to come back to what they knew was familiar at that time. And I thought that that would bode really well for an organization like ours. Um, I thought that we would actually see increased attendance at our next event. And I asked our board of directors for the resources to expand the festival. We had just profited significantly. Um, I also asked for a little a little bit of a raise. <laughs> Something that's few, few and far between with nonprofits. I know right? why I, I that's like, actually... That'll lead to our next question here, but go ahead. <laughs> might, I, might I have a little bit more money, please, right. to pay the bills? And um, the board just didn't have the same confidence, so I don't fault them. But I also was personally frustrated, you know, and wanted to um, wanted to grow beyond that and felt like I had accomplished everything I could accomplish there with the resources I had. So if I wasn't going to get additional resources, I had to move on. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so but, that, that's maybe a, a key point for people yeah. if they're deciding to go into nonprofit work is if you get X number of resources and you need Y number of resources and that difference can't be made up, you need to find a different different organization perhaps or, or maybe even go back to private sector. We all have personal ambitions too. Um, I'd like to say that, you know, it's completely altruistic when you get into this work, but it's not, you still have, you still have your goal, your personal goals, your life goals, you know, a family that you want to start or provide for a lifestyle that you want to have in the rest of your time. 
And I just, you know, for me personally at that time, we hadn't started our family yet. I could work slug out the 14 hour days, but I felt like I wanted to be rewarded for that a little bit more. And I wanted to grow it bigger and see what else we could do. And I, and I, and I wasn't able to. So then I had to make a decision. So here, here I was, I wasn't intending on being in nonprofit work. I wasn't intending on being a fundraiser, but I found I had a knack for it. And I, I had to figure out what I was going to do next. So was I going to go you know, back to marketing, which honestly, the reason why it was so easy for them to pull me out of that too, is because as soon as I got into that environment, I'm like, Ooh, this is kind of cutthroat and this isn't really my culture and I'm not like this. And I don't want to be, you know, I also saw that it seems like the, you know, um, Rob, you, you know, this to be true too. It seems like the marketers get cut cut first. (laughs) Yeah, when times they, are they tight, are first right? on the chopping block, really, because <laughs> yes. companies don't understand that even in bad times, you need to keep marketing. Well, and fundraising, which in this day and age isn't always the thing that's gets kept either, but we'll talk about that later. So anyway, um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that this maybe not, wasn't the most stable of industries to be in, and maybe I did need to find a different um, you know, industry. So I actually... I was taking some time. I wasn't, I wasn't being pushed out the door. So I had that time. I knew I mm-hmm. wanted to go. So I was talking to a lot of people, um, friends, you know, what are you doing? Where are you working? And a friend of mine that I met through Polish Fest, one of our volunteers was working for a company that was a, cons- it was a for-profit company, but they were consulting to nonprofits. And it was based in Milwaukee and they had international clients, worked mostly across the country, but had some international clients too. And I found that very appealing. I thought, if I want to be a fundraiser, if I want to be a nonprofit, I have two choices. I can either go back to school and get an, an, another degree that teaches me how to do this. And at the time, we didn't have the program at UWM. We didn't have the program that we have so robustly um, throughout you know, most of our universities here in Milwaukee. So I was already married. I was going to have to pick up my husband and move to Indiana to do that because oh, wow. that was because there's a school, there's a very prominent school in Indiana that had been on for a very long time. Um, excellent resource. If you, if you really want to go get a degree in this, I'd say look into that. I either have to pick up and move there and get a degree, or I could learn on the job and find a place where I could be taught how to do this by experts in the field. So my friend is working for this consulting firm, and I literally pursued a position. They didn't have a position, but I asked if she would make an introduction um, you know, to some hiring managers and whatnot. And I started talking to them. And over the course of, I think, gosh, I think it was somewhere between five and seven conversations and a caliper test. (laughs) I had to take a caliper test too. Look it up. It's a company. They, it's like a, an IQ test. And it's like, it it takes forever. It's like one of those like assessments. And, you know, through all of that, they liked what they heard. I basically went to them with a proposition. So they're a consulting firm and I'm in my twenties and I have, you know, barely a network yet. So I'm not really going to be a consultant in the true form. But what I said was, okay, so you're, um, you need to market your company and I want to learn how to do this work. So here's my deal. I will spend 50% of my time, you know, writing, you know, beefing up your website, writing articles, writing white papers, um, you know, doing the helping, you know, there were, there were consultants that were writing books at the time. I will edit their books. I have an editing background from my college um, job. And I'll do all of that, that grunt work, the marketing side. And then the other 50% of the time, I will be like the partner to your consultants. So they will drag me on all of their, you know, meetings. They will have me writing their case for supports. They will have me doing the 
the, the, the grunt work, the PN work, you know, so consultants, mm. consultants like to tell everybody what to do, but they don't necessarily like to do the work per right. se. They're hoping you have somebody on there, you know, cause they're the expert. They shouldn't have to quite frankly. I mean, they're experts, you know, they don't necessarily want to slog at the writing of the case for the support, writing the grant requests, writing all of that. So I would, I said, I'll do that, but you bill me out at an, at an hourly rate to the clients to make up for my time doing both things. And then you okay. keep the you keep the money and just pay me a salary. Interesting. So yeah. you've done a couple things in your kind of move into into the nonprofit area. Number one, you've identified a need for a company that you had targeted, which is something that may be very useful to somebody who's seeking a job, whether it's public or private sector right now. You've networked your way into actually talking to that person who has the the purse strings, if you will, to actually hire you for that job. And you've provided a tremendous value to them by saying, hey, I will take the grunt work and you guys can do all the fun stuff that you like, which is just awesome. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that, that's that been a, a pretty wild story so far as, <laughs> as far as, I mean, you didn't come with a degree. You didn't come with anything. So that, that what that tells me is that anybody can kind of make this transition. You don't necessarily need a special set of tools. There are They are out there but you don't need them in this case. So which kind of moves me into, into my, my next question here, Jen, is you know, I, we, we found out how you started. But one of the biggest things that I've always found challenging and, and for, for myself as a former salesperson um, and my time working with a nonprofit prior to that, money is always a massive problem. That, that's what I've seen to the point where when I was a salesperson, I would never, ever even bother calling a nonprofit because they always said, we don't have any money. Why is that? And is that necessarily true? So let's start with the second question first, because I, it, it, it's always funny to me when people say there's no money in nonprofits, but then every, you know, four to six months in your Facebook feed, you get that meme that's like, don't support this organization because they pay their CEO six figures and blah, you know, so there is money. Right. In nonprofits. Um, there's a book. I actually grabbed it. I, if you could, Rob can see I'm in my office and I have my books, some of my books behind me on my desk, but one of my books is this one I wanted to show you. It's called Uncharitable. And I totally recommend this. It's Dan Pilata wrote this and he's had a follow-up book since, but this is all basically making the case for the, the fact that they're, they're, it's such a, it's, there's money in nonprofits, but then it's like, you get to that point where there's money in the nonprofit and then everybody goes, well, you can't have any money in that nonprofit. So which is it? Which do you want? Do you want to have a fulfilling career in life that's actually funded to the point where you can truly make the difference and hire the incredible minded people that you need at the top to run your organization? Or do you want everything to operate like the school sisters of the poor on the street corner with, you know, alms for the poor? Like it's, you can't have it both ways. Right. So, so yes, I would say that um, there is, there is money in nonprofit. It might not be at the basic services, but like in every industry, you know, there's, there's, there's the frontline, no experience required entry level way to get into any organization. And then there's the skill development that you do to get down a certain path. And not every path of skill development leads to the same outcomes. This speaks to a little bit of, you know, my advice of being in the nonprofit industry as well, is that maybe it's your side hustle. Maybe okay. you have, maybe you have a job that pays the bills um, but this is the fulfilling thing you do on the side and, and you don't have to volunteer. You can work part-time. You can work extraordinarily part-time in nonprofits. That is, 
um, you, you know, you will get zero benefits and you will get very little pay. But if you want to have a fulfilling, you know, side hustle, you don't have to create, you know, a whole business on your own. You could just side hustle in the nonprofit industry and they would be glad to have you. So that's really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that, Jen, because it was something that I know, like, I know you can go and, and work at a nonprofit, you know, once a month or something like that. But it was something I totally forgot. And I think for our listeners, I think that's very important to know that if you want to maybe find a little wedge to drive into a nonprofit, that going and showing up once a month, like clockwork and being a great asset to them is probably a really valuable thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very there interesting. are so there are so many jobs out there in the nonprofit world and um, so many entry-level positions, so many part-time positions. There's a website that I want your listeners to go check out. All righty, let me jot this down so we can put it in the show notes. <laughs> what is it, Jen? It's called jobsthathelp.org. It's, it used to be managed through the volunteer. I think it, the history of this, I believe, it used to be jobs, um, jobs that care. So I don't know. It used to have a, a, another name. It was through the... Sure. The Volunteer Center of Wisconsin that doesn't exist anymore, they folded. And so the the Greater Milwaukee Foundation absorbed this service. And it's it's a phenomenal service. It's the go-to website for job seekers in the nonprofit industry of Wisconsin. I don't and, and and I wish more people knew about it because it's, you know, every industry, like I I I know that the education industry has we can. And, um, you know, that's where they go to find teaching jobs and stuff. That's where they're primarily posted. I don't, I don't know if everybody knows that there's like these very not hidden, but hidden sources, industry specific sources, you know, indeed, or no, I'm sorry, not indeed. Um, big shoes network is for marketing jobs, you know, and it's almost, right, yes. it's, it's almost saturated. So if you want to be in marketing and there's a lot of, um, nonprofit fundraising jobs on big shoes network also. So I highly encourage anyone who wants to be or is in and having a trouble finding a job in our industry right now, make sure you're checking out Big Shoes Network. Um, but but yeah, um, jobs that, jobsthathelp.org is an incredible resource, really well done by the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. And um, I highly encourage people to check that out. And, and like I said, if you're not working right now, if you are finding yourself between opportunities, you're thinking about that you could probably start working tomorrow in some of these places there are places that are front well because think about in a crisis it's the nonprofit industry um the essential services are a lot of nonprofits they are you know they are after school the people don't have childcare right now people don't have um jobs like the food pantries right now are gangbusters so I, you know, I don't know what they're hiring. You'd have to go on the website and look. Sure. I mean, yeah, you can't speak to it, you know, specifically because yeah, specifically. <laughs> and, and, and quite frankly, new jobs are posting up there, if not daily, weekly. So, and, and there's big, I mean, there's CEO jobs and there's entry level, you know, help us with the warehouse jobs. Sure. And it's interesting that you mentioned that they're hiring a lot because what I've seen, and I, I'm sure what a lot of our listeners have seen is, you know, I try to keep my, my fingers on the pulse of, what's hiring right now. And I know yeah. that job postings for, you know, middle management was the thing I saw evaporate with uh, yeah. COVID-19. And yeah. that was, it, it still hasn't come back. I, I'm a middle management type kind of person. And the job selection out there for somebody like myself is garbage, mm-hmm. absolute garbage. So knowing that there might be a, an industry or two that is 
kind of weathering this storm a little bit better, especially a nonprofit and things like that. That's great. A lot, lot of great resources there, Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. Jobs that help. Uh, and I'm sure for folks who listen outside the city of Wisconsin, there are, are some of those folks as well. Uh, there's most likely a version of that for your state as well. I would, I would, I would hope, I hope for... so. I hope so. And if you don't know, ask a similar resource. You know, there are these these large community foundations, which, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 beautiful history of our country is that it's always been um, well, like. Well, yeah, I will say always because Benjamin Franklin, I guess I would call the godfather of modern American philanthropy. So a lot of people don't know this, but Benjamin Franklin, in in addition to being, you know, just the incredible guy that he was, he was also highly philanthropic. He would give a donation, a monetary donation to every single um, place of worship, like church, synagogue, or otherwise in his community. Because at the time, those oh. were the nonprofits that were addressing the needs of the poor. So it didn't matter the, the denomination. He would give money to those churches, synagogues, whatevers, because that's, that's how they address the needs of his community. He was a great guy. That's pretty really, cool. And now, yeah. we're part, now we're part history podcast. Now, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get a little bit of all of it with that, me. That's super cool. Every community, if you look around your, your large cities, I guarantee you there's something similar to that in your community. So call them and ask them, hey, is there a job board? If there isn't, maybe you just got a job for yourself. Maybe they're going to hire ah. you to create that new job board if you're a, that if for you're us. a programmer yes, yes, or something. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. deal. All right. So we discussed a little bit earlier, Jen, you know, prevailing attitude for nonprofits is don't go into them for money. Is there, are there ways that a nonprofit supports its workforce when it comes to making it kind of worthwhile to be a part of it. I know that I used to work for, you know, a nonprofit and they paid me peanuts and it sucked, but they had good insurance. Like what other kind of things uh, should somebody look for if they're going to the nonprofit side of things? Yeah. I would say the first thing you have to do is start um, looking around for what you need. There are, for the work that I do, Mm -hmm. the salary range is huge, you know? So if I, if I want to go make six figures, as mm-hmm. a fundraiser in Milwaukee, I can do that, but I might not like the culture of the organization. If I want to make, you know, half of what I was making before, I can go do that. And I might be really, really fulfilled, but is my kid going to be happy about the college I can send her to in two years? Like, you know, the, so that's, right. so, so I encourage you to really think first, be a little selfish. It's okay. I know that we all are very altruistic and that, you know, you want to be in this work because you want to make a difference and change the world. And you absolutely don't ever lose that passion. You know, God put that in you for a reason to go like, you know, get it out there. So, so don't ever forget that, that you've got that at your core, but be a little selfish because it is there, there is a wide range and you don't have to just settle for, you know, that one little blip of place. There might be more for you. Um, that being said, if you can, if you can, make the salary level work for what they're offering you often it comes with other benefits like perks like there are some wonderful perks to working in nonprofits for example polish fest polish fest was the the least i ever made ever in my entire career it was also my you know entry level into the into the world so um i literally was only making a salary there and um and a bonus based off the profit, which um, is, you can't, yeah. 
in fundraising, you can't make a bonus off of the actual dollars you raise. That's unethical. But if you have like a, like a, um, like if the entire organization does well and at the end of the year, they've, they've, you know, you can make like a merit increase bonus. So, sure. anyway. okay. so I would get that. Good to know about nonprofit payments. Yes. You know, if you're a fundraiser, yeah. you don't get a commission, if you will. No, no, that is highly unethical in our industry. Interesting. So, um, yeah. So another reason to maybe just go into sales, but <laughs> right. I was just going to say salespeople, maybe, maybe that's a, not a, not a career path for you. Yeah. Yeah. But in at Polish Fest, I was only making a salary and a bonus. I was getting no other benefits whatsoever. There was no health insurance. So luckily I was married and I could handle all that through right. my husband's policies. Um, no life insurance, nothing. However, in my, in my late twenties, every single weekend of the summer, I got to go VIP style to every single festival and the Meyer Festival Park grounds and the Summerfest grounds. Okay. Okay. So I got, I got parking tickets. I got admission tickets. I got VIP parties. I got beer and wine and yeah. And I got to mingle with leaders of industry. And that was the most valuable thing to me. I got to be at these parties with the corporate heads of all like Harley Davidson and um, Miller Coors and Rockwell and yeah, and Johnson Controls. So I, so at, in my twenties, not only did I have a slick summer <laughs> <Bet. laughs> and I was the most popular friend in my friend group. Um, hey, so about that party this weekend, is Rob going with you or not you, Rob, the other Rob? Right, you're Rob. Yeah. <laughs> right, but, listeners, um, listeners, Jen's husband is also named Rob, also so Rob, it creates yeah. a little bit of confusion when, when we're talking, but that's okay. Right, Rob with one B, not two. Right. So, so, um, but I, you know, so that was a slick perk and man, those are some good days. You know, we didn't sure. have kids. We were living in an apartment. We had a cat like, and I, and I was, and I was having a, the summer of my life. So. Um, so awesome. that was a good, per- so that was a good perk. So I could, I, I made that um, paltry salary work because, you know, I got a lot of perks. Uh, same thing with UWM. So when I was working um, fast forward in my career, I ended up working at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee as a fundraiser for many years. And, and the pay was very good and it's part of the state program. So there was very good benefits as well. But one of the perks to that job was that they brought in edu- formal education for their fundraising team. So we uh, got, yeah, so I got to polish my skills and become an even better fundraiser, I think, because of the resources and the education that my employer brought to me. So that was an incredible perk. And I actually um, acquired my, um, cert- my certification in the field as a CFRE Certified Fundraising Executive. I have that and I've had it since 2007 because of I credit quite a bit to the extra education that I got while working at UWM. I don't know that my experience to that point would have been enough to get that certification, but because of the training that I received from my employer that paid for it, you know, my employer at the time also paid for my membership to the Association of Fundraising Professionals. They paid for my membership. They paid for me to go to luncheons. So when your employer might not pay you the top salary in your industry, but they'll invest in you that's an incredible thing. And you get that in nonprofits and there's networking. If you get into a nonprofit, like, you know, like the YMCA, like you and me, and the right, YMCA, yes. there's a national network. There are people that I've never personally met face to face that I'm connected to in some capacity on social media because of our connection to the YMCA. Got so it. there's, so there's, there's that networking perk too. So I would say that, you know, you have to, you have to be honest with yourself first, weigh what you need, because quite frankly, if you're just in a position where you need to make big bucks, then you got to go make those dollars, right? If you, if you have to make it, go get it. Don't be ashamed of that. But, but if you're, if you're comfortable and you, and you live a simpler life and you, and you want, you know, or you have other resources and means, you know, you're married and, and you can take that time to explore it or, or, or whatever your situation is. If you can 
accept that lower salary point, then by all means, there's, there's, a, there's a whole world of opportunity available to you in nonprofits. Got it. So with all that opportunity available, it, it, in my experience, and I, and I know you've probably done this too, again, we both work for YMCA, there's often a lot of grunt work, kind of frontline trench work to be done. And if we look at, at you know, probably both of our experiences, I know that involved probably doing a lot of laundry uh, for making sure everybody had fresh <laughs> gym towels. Uh, so important though. It, it is, it is. And it's, and it's important because, you know, obviously many nonprofits run with a, with low skill positions or low, low pay positions on the front lines. And while I believe everybody should be, you know, willing to throw a load of laundry in, you know, figuratively or literally um, from top to bottom in an organization, if you were somebody who wanted to get into either nonprofit or was in nonprofit at that front line, what kind of skill should you be looking to build to get to that next level? Well, you know, I think it really depends on which level you're looking to go to. You know, if you okay. want, if, if your dream is to be, um, and I say this because I'm an ambitious sort of gal and I'm always thinking like, what's the top thing that I can do in this world, in this industry? Um, you know, because like they say, shoot for the moon. And if you miss, you still land among the stars, right? So, sure. and I, and I, and, and I want to, step that back a little bit and also say, I'm not doing it because I want a big job. I do. I, I want to use my life. I want to use my life and my God given talents to do the best thing that I can in the world for the time that I have. You know, that's my, that's my why I knew I had a why before Simon said it was a why. <laughs> so I, um, so I've been very clear with myself that my time on, you know, this, this blip that we get is short and I want to give everything that I have to the world to make it better than how I found it. So if, if, if that means that I'm pushing towards being an influential voice in a top position in an organization someday, then that's my goal. Your right. goal might be something very different. Your goal might be that I just, I just want to be, you know, the best, um, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're mechanically inclined and you want to just, you want to make sure that you, um, fix things in an organization that you want to make sure that organizations like operationally and mechanically are running smoothly. That's a totally different path. I, I would never be like um, head of operations likely for a facility, you know, like a sure. YMCA or like my past job in a museum. I would never be the type of person who will be like this chief operating officer of a museum or a facility of some kind, because that's not my path. I, I'm not, um, even though I'm married to someone who's mechanically inclined, I am, right. I'm the opposite with, I'm totally not that person. So I guess I would, the, the, the answer to your question, the long-winded answer to your question is that you have to pick your path to some extent, you know, you don't need to be the operations minded person to be the CEO. You also can't be the chief financial officer if you don't have an accounting background, you know what, you know, so you, there's like, you depends on what you want to do. Okay. Yeah. So maybe identifying the path yes. and then asking the folks up the chain, how do I get to where you are? Yeah. Take is, somebody is, out to lunch who has the job that you strive for and say, how did you get there? You know, if somebody wanted to be um, in a role like I have, um, I could explain to them how I did that. Now, um, I don't know that you're going to get tapped by a client in a marketing firm to come run it. I think that was a very, I think I was, I was blessed to be in the right sure. place at the right time. And, and that um, happens too. I mean, that, that can happen yeah, a lot. A little bit of kismet, a little bit of just God's hand and things, but I don't know that some of that you can't control. Sure. 
But I think that if you're always, you know, focused on listening to that voice of what you're supposed to be, your place in the world and what you're supposed to be doing, then you'll get pulled into it if you're putting yourself constantly in that space. And doing, you know, the, it, you're never wrong doing the right thing, as my husband always says. So. Right. Doing the right thing is always the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very good phrase. So shifting gears just a little bit here, Jen, we, we've talked about kind of that earlier in this that we said, hey, nonprofits are kind of a great side hustle because you can kind of not necessarily make your own schedule, but it doesn't, you're not there five days a week. You're not there, you know, four hours a night as a, as a second job. And it, earlier in this, I called you, you know, the most connected woman in Milwaukee. And from what you've told us, the stories, yes, that sounds like it because you're in with, with the big companies, the, you know, the, the Johnson controls, the Harley Davidson's, every, everybody like that. Uh, from your past work, I think it's a pretty apt title. You, you, you do know everybody. So in the job seeking world, we know that it's not what you know, usually, but it's who you know, that gets things done and gets you the position. So for our listeners who are maybe not as connected or maybe not as up to par on their networking, I, I think I may be one of them uh, as compared to yourself, what's the number one thing that they can do that isn't volunteering at an organization that will help improve their networking? Okay. So I'm going to give you one of my big secrets. Ooh. Yeah. And I use this in my work as a fundraiser. But I encourage everybody, you know, right now more than ever, I think that this could be something that could be a game changer for people who are um, finding themselves unemployed or or underemployed in these these odd times or at any time, really. Social media has made Mm -hmm. our world um, so different. Um, In some cases, very, very bad. Um, Rob and I, um, just for the, for your listeners, uh, Rob and I discussed prior to today, how I have recently deleted my Twitter accounts because it yep. feels like it's a bar fight and I just don't want to be part of that world anymore. So I'm not even on Twitter anymore. It's just not worth it. Um, but LinkedIn is an incredible, incredible resource. Even if you don't pay for the, um, the leveled up thing. Sure. The premium. Yep which I do. And if you can afford it, um, even at the basic level, I highly recommend it because it does open up a whole different access point to this incredible resource. Hmm. Um, LinkedIn is, um, if you go on LinkedIn and you look at your connections, don't just look at your connections, look at who they're connected to. And you don't, you can go deeper than just who they're, who you mutually are connected to you can go through their list and see everybody they're connected to. So in my fundraising work, what I do is I open up a a board director's profile of my nonprofit and I say, Oh, so-and-so here's, you know, I open it up. I click on their link. I look at all their connections. And as I go down the list, Oh, let me make note of the fact that they are really, they know are connected with this CEO. Oh, they know this, you know, director of the head of this foundation. Oh, this person's a trustee on the board of this foundation. I start making note of that. Then the next time I have an opportunity to chat with that board director, take them out to lunch, call them on the phone, have coffee with them. I have that list with me and I say, hey, by the way, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you're connected to so-and-so. Can you tell me more about that and that person? And I'm curious to know them for X, Y, Z. You know, so in, in the case of fundraising, I say, I'm curious to know them because this nonprofit that they're a part of over here 
just raised X number of dollars from this person and they, I want to see if they know them, or maybe they run a business and I'm saying, you know, I'm seeing this business attending a lot of galas lately with tables. Do you think they'd want to buy a table at our gala too? Sure. So it's almost like a sales process. A little yeah. Bit. Yep. So, so you can do the same thing with that resource with your networking. You, if you have your eye on a company per se, and you've come to find out that one of your best friends is, you know, connected to the HR director or the CEO or the operations officer or even the accountant or somebody at frontline sales. Hey, can you, can you introduce me to this person? But, but that's just my little pitch for the day. So anyway. <laughs> no, but that, but that was great though. I mean, and LinkedIn premium is something we, we really haven't talked about on the okay. show at all because I try to do things for for free, I guess. Yeah, it, and you it's, can, it's you can. Crazy way to do it, but um, yeah. But there are sometimes you can actually buy an extra resource and kind of you know boost things a little bit. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. And you, but you don't have to. Um, so you you will get a deeper access level to those lists. You will get kind of mm -hmm. unfettered access to their list, but you don't even have to because I'm telling you, there's so much opportunity out there if you spend a little time first determining you know the direction you're going and what you want to do. And then going and finding where that is and who you're already, it's flattering to me that you call me the most connected woman in Milwaukee, but I don't think I am. I think I just know how to get to people. You know, that might I, even still retain the title, <laughs> my friend. It, it, the knowledge base of, of how, how to do something is infinitely more valuable than actually just being given a portfolio. I mean, if you look at like from a sales perspective, the account manager who is given a hundred accounts to manage that's fine. He's never going to have a hundred more accounts if he doesn't know the process to get more. The person right, who's given 12 right. accounts to manage and knows how to get more is going to, is going to get that. So I think that's incredibly valuable uh, for everybody. And, you know, something just dawned on me too. Yeah. You mentioned LinkedIn premium. If I recall correctly, at least when I first joined it uh, a number of years ago, they had like a 30 day trial. So they if do. it's something, yeah. Yep. And I always, always make sure I use a one of those old disposable credit cards for all yes, of these things. Yes. Is it like $4 and 23 cents on this thing? It's great. And uh, <laughs> so there's your, there's your life hack from Rob today is right, uh, right. keep an old gift card around to, to sign up for all of your, uh, your online subscriptions. That way you don't get billed, but it's a great way to kind of access some of these things uh, at the, at the surface or maybe even deeper levels uh, when it comes to like LinkedIn premium. So that, that might be a good way to, for folks to get in there. So great, great piece of advice, Jen. Well, and I want to, and I want to also just add to that. Just one other thing you might, you might be across the table or on the phone or whatever with your friend, your contact, mm -hmm. and they might say, Oh gosh, you know, I don't really know that person. Um, I just, you know, accepted a request because we, you know, met at a dinner party or sometimes sure. people just reach out and try to connect with people that they don't really know. Yeah. Um, that happens, you know, don't, don't, don't let that, um, thwart you. It's, that's why you come with like a list of like six and you hope to get two. Well, and as you, and as you become, you know, uh, the rock star of the podcast world, you're going to have all these people. Right. Reaching out and to I think that's, I think that's a very good s signal for anyone that if you're interacting with people on LinkedIn and you have folks who are not in your immediate circle kind of reaching out to you for either just to connect or if they actually have something um, to offer you that's maybe not salesy. I think that's mm -hmm. a very big, that may be a indicator that you've hit on something. The, the opportunity that I have in front of me is because I accepted a coffee request from someone that I knew very, very casually who was in between things huh. um, at the time six years ago. And it was, you know, and I got together with her and then she got what she needed, um, got back on her feet. Then we stayed connected through her position. And now I'm the one 
you know, talking to her about her hiring me. So that's, uh, that's super cool. I know we, we yeah. talked about that in our prep call a little <laughs> bit, uh, a little bit yesterday, which is great. So again, you, you land on your feet sometimes based on you who you know. Yeah. And speaking of our prep conversation yesterday, and you mentioned the concept during that of getting the right person mm-hmm. into a nonprofit and, and who is that, I guess. Yeah. We touched on this a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, for you, the person, I really encourage you to think about, you know, your path and where you want to go. You don't have to have it all laid out. I didn't necessarily know in the beginning that I would be, you know, you know, running organizations someday, but I knew that if I ever wanted to, if I ever wanted the opportunity to, that fundraising was going to be, be a big part of it. So I spent a lot of time early in my career, as we've already talked about, just learning the fundraising process so that I could know it and be legitimate in that world. And then, um, you know, whether or not I'm, I'm a leader someday is really going to be the next phase of me learning how to be a good leader and how to, you know, do all those things. Um, on the other side of it, though, for the industry, what we need more of in our industry, both at the staff and at the volunteer, you know, slash board director level, are more people who love people. I know that sounds okay. weird to say. No, but it's not weird. That's a skill. Yeah, you have to, unfortunately, what I have seen in my 25-year career, are there too many people that get involved in nonprofit work because they think that they're smarter than everybody and they think that they can come in and rule it as opposed to love it and, you know, and lead it. Um, um, You really have to have, my preference is to work with people who have a service above self mentality or are willing to be coached into that mentality. Okay. Um, when you have board directors and or leaders and staff of organization, nonprofit organizations that are in it for selfish reasons, that hurts the culture, that hurts the mission, that hurts my ability to fundraise, quite frankly, because, because the savvy donor and community around that nonprofit can see right through that. Interesting. Okay. So if you're in it, I don't want to say if you're in it for the money, cause that's not quite no. accurate. No, no. Cause there's money. Like we said, there's money right. in, there's money in it. When you become um, a valuable piece of the, of the mission service puzzle, there is, there is money in it. There's a lot of jobs, you know, that pay over the national average. Interesting. Once, yeah. So once you, but you know, almost like that, like you said, the middle manager now, depending on the field right now, the genre, um, there's less of those today, but in good times, there's lots of those positions and you will do better than average. Um, um, you know, it is not uncommon to start at 40,000 if you have the right skill set. Interesting. Um, and that's, that's not grunt work. That's, that's not the, kind work. of the, the back office, if you will, and yeah. kind of up a Support. level. Okay. Yep. Got yeah. It. yeah. You can be an admin or you know, somebody, so the nonprofit industry is all over the board when it comes to their titles. You know, I had in my past job, I had the same title as someone who has five years experience. So it's a little, it's a little bit of a misnomer. Like it depends. It just literally depends on where you go. Um, and, you know, sort of like how everybody in the banking industry is a vice president. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. I love you. My banking friends. I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) But that's maybe something that folks need to learn too, is that, is that there is no real standardization, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit as to what a title is. Um, And you can have somebody who is an assistant making, 
close to six figures when in a, in a different organization, an assistant makes, you know, 35, six a year, you know, something and I've also, like that. And I've also, and I've seen this recently where someone who was assistant to the executive director just got promoted to chief operating officer. Whoa. Yeah. So, because in these, in these organizations, it, it, the talent is the, t- you, you, you do the work you will be seen because a lot of them aren't enormous. Now, whether or not she's making, I would say that she's a CEO, probably not making what the CEO of Johnson Controls makes, obviously. Right. And, and that, I mean, that's a huge multinational company. And right. But she's, got a, but, she's got a cool, but she's got a good title now that will open doors with, yes. with respectable people who will want to hear what she has to say because, and I mean, on the shallow side of the world we live in, the title does matter. Right. And I know from my experience too, it's definitely mattered that, you know, you don't go in as account manager, you go in as, you know, business development manager or something along those lines. Yeah. So interesting. Well, good deal. I think that that has exhausted everything that I have for you today, Jen, but this is the opportunity in the show where we kind of twist things on its head a little bit. What didn't I ask you that people should know about either breaking into nonprofit or if they're in one bumping up? Oh, um, good question. I would say that, what didn't we cover? What didn't we cover? Oh, I know what I, I, okay. So the one thing that I would say is be prepared for how political it can be. Oh, it's, I, okay. I was not, I was very naive, you know, so I went into it thinking like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. I can use my life to make a difference. And, and, um, it can, it can get a little, it can get a little ugly sometimes inside. It can get a little political um, um, because like we just talked about before, not everybody's in it for service above self and not everybody's in it um, because they love people. You know, sometimes they love titles and they love power and they love um, influence and they love um, their name on a letterhead and they love getting in the paper because of the charitable things they do. And you know, and that's, un- unfortunately, that's the political side of it. I don't do good in the politics. Um, I don't have a tolerance for it. <laughs> so sometimes that gets me in trouble. And that's okay, because that's, I'm going to keep fighting for what I think is right and keep fighting for um, the culture that I want to use my time, talent, and skills, you know, to, to advance. So, gotcha. so okay. I have a very you, same you way. Have, it, you have to be prepared for it because it could chew you up a little bit. Interesting. Well, yeah. that, that I think is is a almost a, a, a I don't want to say deal breaker, but for some folks, if they don't didn't know it was it could be a very political arena, that could be a real eye opener, a real system shock if they decided to go into nonprofit with their new career and went like whoa whoa what's what's all yep. this I have to play this game, but yeah, yeah so uh, thankfully it's not a Hopefully it's not too deep of political intrigue or anything like that. You got some Game of Thrones level stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> that I could handle. There's an ugly side, but it's not every, you know, it's not everywhere and it's not everybody, but you just have to be prepared for it. You have to, don't, don't, don't be surprised if you encounter it and, you know, handle it, handle it as your heart, you know, tells you to. Good deal. Well, yeah. I think that that's a, again, that. Probably one of the best like things I didn't ask we've ever had in any of any of these episodes, which is outstanding. So, well, we're at the at the end here, Jen, and, and we're at the time in the show where uh, you get to do your plugs, um, oh. what you do, and where folks where folks can find you if they want to connect with you or uh, anything like that, or you know, buy your sangria if they're in Milwaukee. Oh yeah, the sangria. <laughs> so um, go ahead. 
You're so funny. Um, so yes, as Rob mentioned, I, I do have a site since I work in nonprofits already, my side hustle is in the for-profit community, <laughs> but I, um, my, my husband and my parents, my, my extended family and I, um, have a company that I'm kind of the figurehead for. I am technically the founder and CEO, but that's just a fancy way of saying that I get to do all the work. <laughs> it is. We have a Technically, it's a distribution company, um, um, and I don't want to get into all the nuances with your audience about the, the three-tiered alcohol industry is complicated, and we could do 17 podcasts about that. But we started a distribution company, and we have a private label, Sangria, that we um, have created. It's called Lovino Sangria. We, have, we promote it primarily through our Facebook page. So if you go to facebook.com slash Lovino Sangria, you'll find us there, and you'll find all the places you can buy it. We have it made for us up at a winery in Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin called Mona Rose Winery and you can order it. It can be shipped all over the country actually. In fact, it might be oh. shipped overseas. Yeah. So you Very can order cool. it online. And, and I know that's a big thing. People are, um, the alcohol industry is actually going gangbusters on home shipping right now. Yeah, so, yeah, so I know we're all staying at home, just day drinking. So Pretty much. Well, keep, keep getting on that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but don't, so don't day drink, be responsible, please drink responsibly. Um, my, my, um, our sangria has a 12 and a half, um, ABV. So it has a punch mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. It's got a kick as Rob knows. Um, but it's, it's the most unique bottled sangria you'll ever have. It's unlike anything else that's currently on the market. And I, and I would be honored if people would try it. Um, and other than that, I have, um, I am very much into networking and meeting people and helping in any way I can. I, I hope and pray that this has been a helpful time for all of you that have given you some nuggets. And if there's anything that else that I can do for someone who's looking for advice, an open door, um, you know, um, just, just a, a pat on the back and let you, it's going to be okay. Um, reach out to me. Um, my pref, my preferred place to network professionally is LinkedIn. Um, I keep Facebook a little bit more personal and so I prefer not to connect with, um, you know, people I don't personally know there, but other than that, um, yeah, let's, yeah, and, let's. And LinkedIn is where folks should be going pretty much for professional pretty stuff much. anyway. They should be. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Well then uh, Jen, that that's fabulous. And again, folks, if you, if you, uh, if you want to connect with Jen on LinkedIn, whatever it might be from a professional standpoint, or Hey, buy a bottle of her sangria. It is truly, it is delicious. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a fantastic day. I, I hate to shill, shill Aww. this hard for, for that, but it, it really is a fantastic <laughs> I product. I appreciate it. You're um, sweet. Yeah. We're on. And yeah, it, it's, it's fun to support small business like that. But yeah. uh, for our end here uh, on recruiting hell, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we do have that new website, recruiting-hell.com. Uh, got a .com domain name. It's, it, it rocks. I'm really happy about it. Uh, so go there, click things, get some extras. There's show notes that are going to be appearing on there. Uh, follow us on social media on those buttons on the right-hand side. They took me forever to position and get right. Uh, so please click the Living Daylights out of those. Uh, there's also a newsletter in the works right now. So be sure to sign up for that as well. Uh, there'll be more insight into your inbox. Plus, it's a great reminder uh, to tune into the new episodes of the show. Last but not least, uh, thank you, as always, to Purple Planet Music for our theme song. And you, of course, the listener for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace.